Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. I know it's been a while since I've been back on this program. I had to step back and take a look at how I want uh, the format to proceed here. I've been doing this since 2007, and I plan on doing this every every Saturday now, every uh, Sabbath or Shabbat at 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time, uh, God willing. And so the format will be quite different than the way it used to be in the past. Uh, I'm just going to just jump right into uh, the Bible study uh, today. The Bible study is about who is the Bride of Messiah. There has been some confusion in the uh, Hebraic Roots movement and, and other movements about who the bride is uh, in Protestant churches, Christian churches, and so forth. And really, if you just do proper Bible study and, and use a, a concordance, uh, you should be able to figure this out. It's not really a difficult Bible study. The question is, as always with our people, do you believe the words? Do you believe the words, or do you want to believe smooth things? Um, there's a prophecy that's being fulfilled as I speak. In Second uh, Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, it says, and this is a charge to all elders um, that are teaching uh, properly, I charge therefore before God and the Lord Yeshua Messiah, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Verse 2, preach the word. So this is a commandment to anyone that has the ability or the gift to preach. Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove. That means correct. Rebuke. Correct. Exhort with all long-suffering and doctrine. And this is the reason why. Verse 3. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. They will not endure sound doctrine. And that word sound uh, simply means doctrine that does not have any corruption in it. And so if the Bible, if God, through the apostle Shaul or Paul, is stating the fact that it's possible to preach sound doctrine, then it must be possible because they said that they will not endure sound doctrine, meaning uh, this is a prophecy, and meaning that there will be sound doctrine being preached. And I do hear in the Hebraic Roots movement and in other movements, uh, we have to wait for Yeshua to come back to, to have sound doctrine. That's not true, ladies and gentlemen. This scripture certainly destroys that false concept. Anyway, 2 Timothy 4, verse 3, For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, 
but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers. And this is going on right now in the Hebraic Roots movement, all kinds of movements, uh, having itching ears, itching ears. Uh, they want to hear what they want to hear. And they shall turn away their ears from the truth. What's the truth? Psalm 119, 151. I'm going to continue to, to say this uh, about the truth. Because most people don't understand what the truth is biblically. But Psalm 119, 151. The truth is all the commandments of God. Psalm 119, 142. The truth is all the doctrines and teachings of God. Which is uh, defined in Hebrew as Torah. John 17, verse 17, the Father's words which he gave Yeshua to give to mankind through the, the written word, the word of God, is the truth. All the Bible, and we must live by every word of God in Matthew 4, verse 4. But anyway, this prophecy by the Apostle Shaul or Paul, 2 Timothy 4, verse 4, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth. And boy, are they doing it today in all movements and shall be turned unto fables, unto fables. Verse 5, but watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof, not half proof, full proof of thy ministry. And I find I have to do that at times. Uh, I have to make full proof of my ministry. <laughs> but anyway, fables, uh, states fiction, fiction. That's what that word means in the Greek. All right, clear about who the bride is. First of all, let's understand the concept of being betrothed, betrothed or engaged, because uh, that's very important as we go forward in this Bible study. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18. Those who are familiar with the format of this program, all I do is quote scriptures after scriptures after scriptures after scriptures. If that's boring to you, go listen to someone else. Um Hold your place here, Matthew 1, verse uh, 18. I'm not here to entertain you. I'm here to educate you, if you want to be educated about the Bible. Uh, Jeremiah chapter 23. Jeremiah chapter 23. God commands people who claim to, to be Bible teachers to follow him. Jeremiah 23, verse 28. The prophet that has a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that has my word. That's the scripture I want to focus on. We have his words. The Bible is the truth. The entire Bible is the truth. He that have my word, let him speak my word. Does it say falsely? No. Faithfully. Faithfully. That word in the Hebrew means with certainty, with truth. And so to speak the word of God with truth, you don't twist the scriptures. You just don't want, quote, one scripture don't quote the others uh, that um, are necessary to keep scriptures under a specific doctrine. You quote all the scriptures. The purpose is not to you be right, or the purpose is not for you to, to be right. The purpose is for you to quote the scriptures that are correct. The purpose is for you to reveal the truth under the particular doctrine that uh, you are researching. And so I don't care about being right. <laughs> I, I care about being right because God is right. That's what I care about. I, you know, first of all, God has to be right for me to be right. That's the attitude you ought to have as a teacher and as also a student of the Bible. Anyway, let him speak my word faithfully. What is 
chaff to the wheat, says the Lord. In verse 29 of Jeremiah 23, Is not my word like as a fire, says the Lord, and, and a hammer that breaks the rock into pieces. So if someone is preaching the word, it's a powerful preaching. And it is like shattering rocks into pieces because God's word is powerful. It's powerful. And, and in Hebrews 4, verse 12, the scripture just popped in my mind here. Verse 12, it states plainly, For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing into the dividing asunder of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of their heart. So people can't hide away from themselves when they read the Bible. You're going to come across some things in the Bible that uh, God is suggesting that you work on. That's good. That's a good thing. It's not a bad thing. All right. And so getting back to Matthew 1, verse 18, Matthew chapter 1, verse 18, it states the following. Now, the birth of Yeshua Messiah was on this wise when as his mother Mary was espoused or betrothed to Joseph before they came together. In other words, before they had sex. And so there's a lot in this in this scripture. It tells you that uh, the first, the way is done among Jews and biblically is that you become engaged or betrothed to the person you want to marry. Now, it's considered you're married, but you, you, didn't, you did not consummate the marriage yet. And the way it's done, too, biblically, the father is really responsible uh, for both uh, the son and the daughter to find a suitable mate. Uh, we know that Abraham or Abraham uh, had a proxy, one of his servants, because he was sick and he couldn't do it himself, so he had somebody substitute for him, and he found uh, Rebecca for Isaac. All right, and so that's an, that's the biblical example there that the father's responsible. And of course, there's there's a scripture uh, where we're going to go to here that proves that the father is responsible for the daughter as well finding a suitable mate. And uh, this concept of dating is is from the devil, where you just date this person, don't work out, date the next one, it just kind of trains them to to have divorce. So if it doesn't work out, just get a divorce. But that's not the way it's supposed to be done. Uh, during the process of, of uh, <clears throat> determining whether or not you ought to be betrothed or engaged, uh, there should be a time where both parties are uh, visiting each other's families. Now, of course, if they are not of the faith, then uh, you would pick people who have strong marriages to be that father and mother figure for you. So that's the way it's done biblically, and that's the way it is done during uh, in the uh, Jewish orthodoxy uh, area of Judaism, and I think also in the conservative branch, and, and maybe the other branches as well. But anyway, all right, so Exodus 22, verse 16 to 17. Let's take a look at that. Exodus chapter 22, verse 16 to 17. And if a man entice a maid that is not betrothed or engaged, so uh, this individual is having sex with a woman that's not even engaged, all right, or betrothed, and lie with her. He shall surely endow her to be his wife. Now, in verse 17, if her father, okay, right here, this verse proves that the father has a role in this. If her father utterly refused to give her unto him, he shall pay money according to the dowry of virgins. And that's a price. That's the bride's price. And that's something that the, the, uh, the future husband would give the family of the daughter 
it, it certainly involved the process or was involved in the process of, of becoming married to um, the daughter, the bride Christ. All right. And so Yeshua, figuratively, his bride price that he paid, he paid with his own life. And so he already purchased us through his blood, as a scripture that, that states that. All right, and betrothed in the Greek means aras. And I'm, I'm going by the complete Jewish style, uh, the, not the complete Jewish style, but the uh, complete word study dictionary. I'm sorry, the complete word study dictionary. Aras is a verb meaning to to betroth, pledge, and marriage. The word means to become engaged to marry a woman. To marry a woman. The betroth was usually accompanied with a bride price. I just mentioned that, the bride price. Or dowry. It was considered adultery and much more dangerous to deduce a betrothed woman than a virgin. A betrothed woman was bound to marry the man she was engaged to. The word was used figuratively to describe the Lord's betrothal of Israel to himself. So this concept uh, is, is from the Old Testament as far as Israel being his bride. Therefore, the relationship with his people was one of personal intimacy. Let me underscore that. Therefore, the relationship with his people was one of personal intimacy at its deepest level. All right, so how does one become the bride, and what is the bride of the Messiah anyway? Well, the bride of the Messiah is simply the first fruits. Uh, the Bible calls uh, the first fruits virgins, and also the Bible calls the virgins and the first fruits uh, the lamb's wife. All right, so. Uh, we're going to take a look at all those scriptures, but we got to. This certainly involves the third basic doctrine of Yah, which is the doctrine of immersions, which uh, the immersion I'm going to tell you about, the, the two of them anyway, are just one of the many, uh, or one of a few that is talked about in the Bible. So, John 3, verse 3 to 5. Let's go there. John 3, verse 3 to 5. John 3. Verse 3 to 5. Yeshua answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto you, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of Yah. All right? And then in verse 4, Nicodemus said unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb and be born? And verse 5, Yeshua answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of the water... So that's one type of immersion. Here's another one, and of the Spirit. So there's two immersions, being immersed in the water and immersed in the Spirit. Cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of God is something you enter into. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 50, it plainly states that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. So the kingdom of Yah, the royalty realm of Yah, is simply a spiritual dimension. You cannot enter the spiritual dimension without being immersed in the water and immersed in the spirit. And I'm going to show you that spirit is a spirit of truth, not a spirit of error. Now, in verse 6, so you'll understand this. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Pretty plain. And so we right now as human beings are not spirit. We're just flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. 
verse 7. Now, he, he attempted to explain this in a simple way. And I'm telling you, a significant amount of people just don't simply understand this, but it's very simple to me because God has mercifully opened my mind to understanding this, and I hope he opens yours as I'm quoting the Scriptures. Verse 7. Marvel not that I have said unto thee, you must be born again. Verse 8. The wind blows where it lists, and thou hear the sound thereof, but cannot tell where it comes and whether it goes. So is everyone that is born of the Spirit. So that's the Bible definition of being born of the Spirit. You will be Spirit, and the average human being, unless you want them to, will not be able to see you. All right? So that is the Bible's definition of born in the Spirit. That's why he was referring it to the wind. You know, if the wind is blowing, you can't see. You don't know where it comes and where it goes. When you become a spirit, that's the way it's going to be, ladies and gentlemen. So that's the definition of being born with the Spirit. All right, so getting back to understanding the immersion of water and the Holy Spirit. Matthew chapter 3. Matthew chapter 3, verse 11 to 2. The Bible definition interpretation continues. Matthew 3, verse 11 to 12. I indeed immerse you with water unto repentance, but he that comes after me is mightier than I. This is talking about Yochanan the Immerser, or John the Baptist. Whose shoes I am not worthy to bear. He shall immerse you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Now, you don't want to get immersed with fire, and <laughs> not in this context anyway. Verse 12. Whose fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly purge his floor and gather his wheat into the garner, and he will burn up. That's the immersion of fire. Burn up the shaft with unquenchable fire. All right. So getting back. To Acts 3, verse 19. So how do you get to a point where you're immersed? Because you are not the bride of Christ, the first fruits, or a virgin, or a saint without the Holy Spirit. That's the reason why I'm going through this right now. Acts 3, verse 19. He says, Repent ye therefore, and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out. You cannot become converted unless you repent and become immersed and receive the Spirit. Because Yeshua stated you have to be immersed by the water and of the Spirit to be in the spiritual realm of God or the royalty realm of God. That's, that's, that's what it means in the Greek. All right? Repent ye therefore of the royalty realm of God or dimension. Repent ye therefore and be converted that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. All right. I will explain to you what converted means, because a lot of people don't know what that means. Acts chapter 28. Acts chapter 28. Verse 26 to 27. Saying, go unto this people and say, hearing you shall hear and shall not understand, and seeing you shall see and not perceive. For the heart of this people is wax gross, and their ears are dull of hearing, which describes most of our... And their eyes have they closed, that not they should see with their eyes and hear with their ears, and understand with their heart, and should be converted. So 
The Bible definition of conversion is the following. Uh, being able to see with your eyes, being able to hear or understand with your ears, and understand with your mind, that's conversion and should be converted. Being converted is being healed, so you have the ability to understand what I'm telling you right now. Those who hear God's words are of God. Those who don't understand or don't want to hear are not of God. That's what the Bible plainly reveals, ladies and gentlemen. All right. Acts chapter 2, verse 38 to 30, 38 to 40. 38 to 40. Peter said unto them, Repent, and be immersed, every one of you, in the name of Yeshua Messiah, for the remission of your sins, the removal of your sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. In verse 39, For the promise is unto you and to the children and to all that are far off, even as many as the Lord or the Master or Yah or God shall call. And with many other words that he testified and exhort, saying, Save yourselves from this untoward generation. And so that's how we save ourselves, by repenting and, and, and receiving the Holy Spirit. And that word untoward in the Greek means warped. Warped. This is a warped generation. It was a warped generation back then in the first century. It's a warped generation in the 21st century, ladies and gentlemen. Okay, Acts 8, verse 12 to 18, states the following. Now, how do you receive the Holy Spirit? Well, the Bible reveals that too. Acts 8, verse 12, but when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God, the royalty realm of God, the spiritual world, and the name of Yeshua Messiah, they were immersed, both men and women. Verse 13, then Simon himself believed also, and when he was immersed, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. In verse 14, Now when the apostles were at Jerusalem, heard that Samaria had received the word of God, they sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Spirit. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were immersed in the name of the Lord Jesus, or the Lord Yeshua. Verse 17, then they laid their hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is given by, in most cases, an elder, a true elder of Yah, who has the Spirit themselves in them. And what they do is pray that you, you will receive the Spirit and they lay their hands on your head and ask that the Spirit be put in you. If you have a repentant attitude and if you want to Convert it and understand the Bible. If that desire is in you, then God has given you that gift of repentance, the ability to repent. Okay. Now, there's another description in this chapter of immersion. Uh, 36, Acts 8, verse 36. And as they went on their way, they came into a certain water. And the eunuch said, see, here is the water. What does stop me from being immersed? In verse 37, and Philip said, If you believe of all thine heart, you may. And he answered, and he said, I believe Yeshua Messiah is the Son of God. And and then that also involves in John 3, verse 16, and you can read it up to verse 21. And it involves doing something, obeying the commandments. That's how you prove that you believe in Yeshua Messiah. 
verse 38, and he commanded the chariot to stand still. And they went down both into the water, both Philip and the eunuch, and he immersed him. Philip immersed him. And when they had come out of the water, verse 39, the spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. Okay, so that's a biblical example of being immersed, ladies and gentlemen. Second uh, Corinthians 5, verse 17 tells you plainly, Second Corinthians 5, verse 17 tells you plainly that, Therefore, if any man be in the Messiah, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. So all your past sins is gone and whatever because you repented of them and you become a new creature when you become immersed. All right. Romans 8, verse 9 and 11. Romans 8, verse 9 and 11. But you are not in the flesh but in the spirit. If so be that the spirit of, of Yah dwell in you. Now, if any man have not the spirit of Messiah, he is none of his. And if the Messiah is in you, which the spirit of Messiah and the spirit of God are synonymous. And if the Messiah is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. Verse 11, but if the spirit of him that raised up Yeshua from the dead dwells in you, he that raised up Messiah from the dead shall also quicken your mortal bodies, which means we all have mortal bodies. We don't have any immortal bodies yet. By his spirit that dwells in you. And then you have to understand that uh, that's one of the qualifications to be the bride of Messiah. You you have to have that spirit in you, ladies and gentlemen, not just working with you. Uh, John 14, verse 17. John 14, verse 17. John 14, verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive. That's a very significant statement. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it sees him not, neither knows him. The majority of people in the world don't understand the spirit of truth, because they've been taught error. But ye know him, for he dwells with you, and shall be in you. And so this is talking about, uh, the disciples at that time, the Talmudim, they did not have the spirit in them, but it was working with them. All right, And that's the same with other people that are just being called in this age to be the bride of Messiah. You just have the spirit working with you, but for it to be in you, you have to follow the process. You have to be immersed in the water and in the spirit for the spirit to be put in you. Get over to understanding the bride's or the Lamb's wife. Now, in John 3, verse 28 to 30. Let's turn there. John 3, verse 28 to 30. So you understand the process to become the bride's wife. Now, well, I forgot to explain that what happens to, uh, this is another thing that I need to explain here. John 6, verse 44. What happens is that God will call you to become part of the bride of Messiah. John 6, verse 44, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him. So nobody can come to Messiah unless the Father draws and influences that individual to come to Messiah. Now, of course, the individual, since the Messiah is in heaven right now, the Messiah uh, is not going to welcome you in heaven. It's not gonna, <laughs> you're not going to go straight to heaven. So how does the Father draw people to Messiah? Well, he, what he does influences that individual to find a shepherd, 
of Messiah. And that shepherd teaches him about the ways of the Father and of the Son. And so that's how that happens in John 6, verse 44. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me. Draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. You know, people in the Hebraic Roots movement, uh, a significant few, uh, well, a good bunch anyway, don't understand this process. They don't understand that the shepherd that they're speaking to, that's the, that's the shepherd that God has chosen for you to work with. John 6, verse 45, it is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. And how are they taught of God? Through a preacher. Romans 10, verse 17 tells you that, verse 14 to 17. How will they hear unless they, they hear, hear from a preacher? John 6, verse 45, it is written in the prophets, and they shall be all taught of God. Every man, therefore, that have heard and have learned of the Father comes to me. And in Romans chapter 10, Verse 14, how then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Okay, so the preacher is very important. That's how people are taught of God. God is not going to come down to you and say, hello, sit down, let's have a Bible study. No, he's not going to do that. He's going to do it through his proxies, through people that his substitutes, uh, people uh, or the the people that he has chosen to teach his truth. All right, so anyway, John 3, verse 28 to 29. You yourselves bear me witness that I said I am not the Messiah. This is John talking again, the Baptist, but that I am sent before him. In verse 29, he that has the bride is the bridegroom. The one that has the bride is the Messiah. And he's the bridegroom. So the, the Messiah is the bridegroom. And those who are called in this age to receive the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth. Matter of fact, all those from Abel that have the spirit of truth are his bride. He that have the bride is the bridegroom. But the friend of the bridegroom which stands in here of him rejoices greatly because of the bridegroom's voice. This, my joy, therefore, is fulfilled. And so I'm, I'm quoting the scripture so that to help you understand that in the book of John, uh, that concept of the bride and the bridegroom is there. Now, Revelation chapter 22, verse 2. Revelation chapter 22, verse 2. States the following. In the midst of the street, and on either side, oops, that's a scripture that uh, I don't need to be quoting here. Uh, Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21, verse 2. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. So uh, let the Bible describe the reason why he's saying that the holy city, New Jerusalem, is the bride of Messiah. Uh, it says right here, And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues, and talk with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. So the bride, the Bible definition of bride is also another name for the lamb's wife. And so in verse 10, And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Okay, so we know that the Bible is saying that the holy city, Jerusalem, is the bride of the Messiah. Now, we know a bride lives right so <laughs> we have to get the complete picture of this we can't just stop here and say okay well the bride of messiah is in new jerusalem no uh it's the lamb's wife as well so 
obviously common sense should be telling you that this is where the lamb's wife is going to live. And so here's here's um, scriptural evidence of that. Wait, wait, let me quote the rest of uh, uh, Revelation 21, verse 9, and I have my, in my notes here to quote 10 and 11. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, the sitting out of heaven from God. Verse 11. Verse 11. Having the glory of God and her light likened to a stone most precious, even like jasper stone, clear as crystal. All right, so let's get some more information to have the complete picture. John chapter 14. John chapter 14. John chapter 14, starting in verse 1. Let not your heart be troubled. You believe in Yah, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, and that word mansions means rooms, uh, abodes. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go prepare a place for you. That Father's house is New Jerusalem. Verse 3, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am you may also be. So so you get the complete picture here. The New Jerusalem is where uh, the bride of Christ will be living. Okay, Acts 7, verse 59 to 60. But what happens when a saint dies? What what happens? Do they go to New Jerusalem? Yes, they do. Uh, their spirit is separated from their bodies, but they're not completely whole yet. That'll happen at the resurrection anyway. Acts 7, verse 59 and 60, And they stoned Stephen, calling upon God and saying, Lord, Yeshua, receive my spirit. And so that's not the spirit of truth. That's, that's the human spirit, the spirit that leaves the body. Verse 60, and he kneeled down and cried with a loud voice, Master, lay not this sin to their charge. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. So the spirit separated his body. And, of course, you know that the master, Yeshua, is in heaven. So that spirit went to heaven. And there's clear indication that that's what happens to the righteous when they die. The spirits go right to the throne room of God. Uh, Philippians 1, verse 21 to 23. Philippians chapter 1, verse 22 to 23. Philippians 1, verse 21 to 23. For to me, to live is Messiah, and to die is gain. And believe me, I can relate to this one. <laughs> For me, to live is Messiah, and to die is gain. It's gain because my spirit will go right to the throne room of God. <laughs> verse 22. But if I live in the flesh, this is the fruit of my labor, yet what I choose, I will not. Verse 23. For I am in a strait between two, having a desire to depart, and to be with Messiah, which is far better. Boy, is it. It would be great to be with him right now. It really would be. Um, the 1965 Bible and Basic English Version clarifies the scripture a little better. It says, I am in a hard position between the two, having a desire to go away and be with Messiah, which is very much better. And how will I go away and be with Messiah? Well, if I die and and uh, I still have the spirit dwelling in me, then... Uh, my human spirit, anyway, will be just like with Stephen, will be be with Messiah. But at the resurrection, that spirit will be put back into my body that's in the funeral casket, and I will be transformed and have a spiritual body, and that's what's going to happen in the future. Uh, I'm going to prove that to you with the scriptures I'm going to quote here. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 to 8. 2 Corinthians 5, verse 6 to 8. So, then... We are ever with fear and though conscious that while we are in the body, we are away from the Lord. So I'm away 
For we're all away from the master when we have to live on this earth. Verse 7, for we are walking by faith, not by seeing. In verse 8, I'm, ta- I'm quoting from the basic uh, English version of the Bible. We are without fear desiring to be free from the body and to be with the master. So, so that's, again, scriptural proof that what happens to a righteous person when they die. And then Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 to 24. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 22 to 24, states the following. But you have come to the mountain of Zion, to the place of the living God, to the Jerusalem which is in heaven, and to an army of angels which may not be numbered. Verse 23, to the great meeting and assembly of the first of those who are named in heaven, and to Yah, the judge of all, and to the spirits of good men made complete, and to Yeshua, by whom the new agreement has been made between God and man, and so that, and to the sign of the blood, which says better things than Abel's blood. So it tells you what's in heaven right now. The Father, all the angels in heaven, all the righteous are in heaven right now. And, of course, Yeshua. Of course, all the powerful angels are there, too. So that's what's in heaven right now. That's what's in the new Jerusalem, or the heavenly Jerusalem. And he's preparing a place for each and every one of us to live there. Now, there's a... I did an interesting Bible study several years ago, and I figured out that when Yeshua was saying in the, in the Gospels of John, where I am, that is the Bible. The Bible defines that as heaven. And so in John chapter 7, John chapter 7, verse 33, and I may go a little over here. I have this, well, I will go over. So um, this Bible study will probably be completed uh, in the next uh, 22 minutes or maybe a little more than that, just checking the archives. It's kind of hard to predict how long I'm going to talk because uh, the Spirit moves me and, uh, and I start talking about things that I didn't originally plan. And so I try to do the best I can. John chapter 7, verse 33. This is an important Bible study. I'm, I don't want to rush this. So um, at 9.45, I'm going to go off the air. Please listen to the, the entirety of this program in the archives. That's the beautiful thing I like about Blog Talk Radio. Uh, you can listen to all of my programs, which I have over 283. This will be the 284th program that I've done. You can listen to all these programs in the archives, 24/7. Uh, you can listen to you can listen to the program on your iPhone or your iPad or your Android. You can share these very important Bible studies with people who really want to know the truth. And so you can do this all for free. I don't charge for anything. Also, um, what was I going to say? Although I do accept uh, contributions, but but I don't push that. You know, it's not the sole purpose of the reason why I'm doing what I'm doing. But you know, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say a lie to you. Uh, <laughs> contributions do help. So anyway, John chapter seven, verse thirty-three to thirty-four states the following. So. What is the Bible's definition in the Gospels of where I am? And, and realize that he was talking this way while he was on the earth as a human being. John 7, verse 33, Then Yeshua said unto them, Yet a little while I am with you, and I go unto him that sent me. Verse 34, You shall seek me, and shall not find me. And where I am, that's that phrase, where I am, you cannot come. And so, obviously that where I am is talking about the spiritual world, heaven, 
And then verse 35, then said the Jews among themselves, whether will he go that we shall find him, we will he go unto the dispersed among the, the Gentiles and teach the Gentiles? And you'll see in a minute reason why I'm ta- focusing on this, because I want to prove to you biblically that the wife, the bride, the marriage will be consummated in heaven, because he promised that it would be. So I'm, I'm showing you the scriptures to prove that. John chapter 8, verse 21 to 24. John chapter 8, verse 21 to 24. States the following, Then Yeshua said unto them, I go my way, you shall seek me, and shall die in your sins. Whether I go, you cannot come. Verse 22, Then said the Jews, Will he kill himself? Because he said, Whether I go, you cannot come. Verse 22, And he said to them, You are from beneath. So again, we get into Bible interpretation of where I am. You are from beneath. I am from above. You are of this world. I am not of this world. Verse 24, I said thereof to you, therefore unto you, that you shall die your sins, for if you believe not that I am he, you shall die in your sins. All right, so again, we're getting a clear picture here, a clearer picture of what he means when he says where I am in the Gospels. John 12, verse 26. John 12, verse 26. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. Now, he's on the earth. He says, where I am, <laughs> if any man serve me, him will my father honor. Okay. One last scripture, John 17 in the, in the, in the Gospel of John. John 17, verse 24. States the following. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. Now, where I am can also mean wherever he's at, but in the context, of course, he's talking about heaven because that's where the spirits go, the righteous spirits go, after they die. All right, so, I hope we're getting a clear picture here of this. Continuing on with the bride's, the lamb's wife, the Bible definition of it, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 32. Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 to 32. Husbands, love your wives, even as Messiah also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word. Okay, so that's how we wash ourselves and clean ourselves, a, a type of immersing as well. By studying the Bible every day, taking it serious and, and living by it. Verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious assembly or church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So that's how the wife is going to make herself ready, by studying the Bible. And by the Bible, you cleanse your mind. Verse 28, so ought men to love their wives of their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, so... That's the responsibility. We have to cleanse our wives' minds by teaching them the truth. That's our responsibility. Verse 29, For no man yet ever hated his own flesh, but nourished and cherished it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and of his bones. So the church, again, is the body of Christ. Verse 31, For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother, and shall be joined unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. 
This is a great mystery. It is such a great mystery. Uh, you have people in Messianic Judaism that doesn't understand that Jews and Gentiles, they're, they're one as far as being in Messiah. And that also, if the Messiah is a Jew, and if he has a bride, that bride, based on the example of Ruth, becomes a Jew spiritually. And in her case, literally. All right? This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning the Messiah and the assembly. The assembly is the bride of Messiah, ladies and gentlemen. So, we have to understand that. We have to understand that. That is something that is very significant. The first fruits, the bride, the virgins, all the same. The Lamb's wife is already betrothed to the Messiah. So we are already one with him. And if he's a Jew, we are Jews. Okay? Spiritually. Certainly spiritually right now. That's for sure. <clears throat> we don't need to go through a rabbinic uh, ceremony to become Jews. We're already spiritual. That's what Romans chapter 2 is referring to. If you have his mind, you're thinking like a Jew. And you're acting like a Jew. Because he's a Jew. And that's something that is not preached properly. And it needs to be preached properly. All right. So, getting back to the definition of the bride, the lamb's wife. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2. 2 Corinthians 11, verse 2 says, For I am jealous over you with godly jealousy, for I have betrothed you to one husband, that husband is Messiah, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Messiah. And so th this is so plain that the assembly, the first, the virgins, are already betrothed to the Messiah. That makes us one with the greatest Jew who ever lived. We are Jews too because we are already betrothed to him. We will be, or we are, his wife. The marriage just has not been consummated yet. And we are to have his mind. And his mind is a Jewish mind. First <laughs> Corinthians 2, verse 16. For who have known the mind of the master that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Messiah. That's what the Bible says. And that mind is a Jewish mind. Uh, Hebrews 13, verse 8 says, Yeshua Messiah, today, yesterday, and forever. He is the same. Hebrews 13, verse 8. Yeshua Messiah, the same yesterday, today, and forever. And then, interesting thing in verse 9, it says, Be not carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is a good thing that the heart be established with grace, not with meats, which are not profited them that have been occupied therein. And so forth. So this is giving an example of a strange and various doctrines and and uh, making a, too much of a big deal about eating meats. Uh, it's important to eat clean meats, but let's not get so fanatical about it. But anyway, that's another Bible study. All right. And so Revelation 19, verse 7 to 9. Revelation chapter 19, verse 7 and 9. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife 
has made herself ready, and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the, li- for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. So again, we understand the bride is the, la- is the, is the lamb's wife, and they are virgins, and they are also the first fruits. That is the truth, and nothing but the truth, so help me God, okay, based on the scriptures. And you just got to put all these scriptures together here, and you'll understand it. Now, virgins, let's, let's understand how the first fruits and the wife of the Messiah are virgins. The Bible interprets itself here. Revelation 14, verse 4. These are they which were not defiled with women, for they are virgins. These are they which followed the master wherever he goes. They were redeemed from among men, being the first fruits unto Yah and the Lamb. And so there's a lot in this verse. It tells you that the first fruits are virgins and that they are first fruits. Okay? To God and the Lamb. All right. James 1 verse 18 is another significant scripture. James 1 verse 18. Of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. All right, so in verse 18, of his own will begat he us with the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. And so, if he begat us with the word of truth, the word of truth is the entire Bible. That's what makes us first fruits of his creatures. But we're just the first fruits. There's going to be many other fruits, ladies and gentlemen. But we are the first fruits. We are his bride. Those who understand what I'm saying, you you are being recruited to be or chosen to be the Messiah's bride. All right? And that, that is the important thing here to understand. All right, Romans 8, verse 23. Romans 8, verse 23. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grow. So we have the first fruits of the Spirit, meaning we are the first people that were considered to be chosen to have the Spirit of, of truth immersed or put in us. But there's going to be future generations and and. and other people that, of course, will have that opportunity. Verse 23, and not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body being changed, of course, into a spiritual body, which is outlined in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. If you just study that entire chapter, it's really a summary of the entire plan of God. Romans 8, verse 23. No, Ephesians 1, verse 11 to 13. Ephesians 1, verse 11 to 13 states the following. In whom also we have obtained an inheritance, being predestined, a purpose of him who worketh all things after the counsel of his own will, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Messiah, in whom you also trusted after you heard the word of truth. Okay, here we go again with the word of truth. Verse 12, that we should be to the praise of his glory who first trusted in Messiah. So if we're the first who trusted in Messiah, there's going to be others that will learn to trust in Messiah. Verse 13, in whom you also trusted 
after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. So the word of truth is the gospel of salvation. The truth, the gospel has something to do with the truth, which is keeping all the commandments of God and keeping all the instructions and doctrines of God, the entire Bible, in whom also, after you have believed, you were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise. So once you start believing, you get immersed and then uh, in the water, and then a qualified elder lays their hand on you, or his hand on you, and you receive and you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Verse 14, which is the earnest of our inheritance unto the redemption, the purchased possession, and to the praise of his glory. All right. And then, of course, you understand about the virgins. Explain the spirit of truth again in John chapter 14, verse 17. John 14, verse 17. John 14, verse 17. Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, the world cannot receive the spirit of truth, because it sees him not, neither knows him, but you know him, for he dwells with you and shall be in you. John 16, verse 13. Howbeit when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. And so the spirit of truth will guide you into all truth. For he shall not speak of himself, but whatsoever he shall hear, shall he speak, and he will show you things to come. All right, so you, you'll understand prophecy with that spirit. John 14, verse 26, plainly reveals. John 14, verse 26, plainly reveals the following. But the Comforter, the Helper, which is the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name. Spirit is sent in Messiah's name. That's why it's called the Spirit of Messiah. He shall teach you all things. Of course, all things related to the Bible and bring all things to your remembrance. Whatsoever I have said unto you. So that's the reason why the Bible says that the wife must make herself ready. That the wife will have made herself ready. And how does the wife make herself ready? By repenting, being converted, receiving the Spirit, and growing in grace and knowledge of our Lord and Master, Yeshua Messiah. That's how it happens. Now there's a warning. In Matthew chapter 25, about the virgins, about the first fruits, that I must address before the end of this program, about the bride. Matthew 25, verse 1. Then shall the kingdom of heaven be likened unto ten virgins, which took their lamps and went forth to meet the bridegroom. The ten virgins, obviously, are symbolic of the first fruits. And then the bridegroom is the Messiah. Verse 2. And five of them were wise, and five were foolish. And then when you understand context of this, this word can mean being conceited. And so five of them were conceited and five were foolish. That's what this Greek word can mean. All right. But they're, they're still wise, nonetheless. But they that were foolish took their lamps and see, the foolish in the Greek means blockheads or stupid. <laughs> that's sad, but he's just, that's what he's describing uh, the end-time assemblies today. A lot of us are arrogantly wise, and we are foolish. We're foolish. Verse 3, stupid. They that were foolish took their lamps and took no oil with them. 
but the wise took oil in their vessels with their lamps. While the bridegroom waited, they all slumbered. And so here's the thing. It's stating here that they all slumbered and slept. So the, the, the ones who are arrogantly wise and stupid are sleeping and slumbering spiritually. And that is a perfect description of people in this movement that want to keep the commandments uh, a good part, a, a, a good portion. Let's put it this way, a good bunch are arrogant. And they're foolish. They're arrogant based on the scripture. Because it's, it's talking about ten virgins. Alright. And uh, there's a bunch out there that just totally are arrogant. Don't want to be told nothing. They get a little knowledge. Uh, they haven't read the entire Bible yet. They call themselves Torah teachers. Uh, I mean, there, there, there's there's people out there that are doing these things. Now, not to say that you can't do a little teaching uh, if you haven't read the entire Bible, but you certainly should read the entire Bible so that you can teach better. I know I wouldn't feel comfortable trying to teach if I haven't read the entire Bible. But anyway, verse 4, But the wise took oil in their vessels and with their lamps. In verse 5, While the bridegroom waited, they all slumbered and slept. And at midnight... There was a cry made. You know, there was a cry made. And that Greek word for cry is an outcry in torment or grief. Behold, the bridegroom comes. Go out to meet him. And so that's really indicating tribulation times. Verse 7, then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. Of course, when your life is on the line, most human beings wake up and say, Oh, God. And that's what will happen to this particular bunch. Verse 7, of of, of first fruits, virgins. Verse 7, then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps. These are people that had the Spirit of God, and they need to be awakened to stir it up. Verse 8, and the foolish said unto the wise, Give us of your oil, for our lamps are gone out. But the wise answered and saying, No, not so. Let not there be not enough room for us and for you. But go you rather to them that sell and buy for yourselves. And while they went to buy... The bridegroom came, and they that were ready went in with him to the marriage, and the door was shut. Verse 11. Afterward came also the other virgins, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. And this is talking symbolically here, because none of the virgins are going to be able to enter. The virgins that that uh, had the Spirit of God in them, and they did not continue on and overcome, they're not going to be allowed to go to the wedding. That's the moral of the story here. That's the moral of the story, verse 12. But he answered and said, Verily I say unto you, I know you not. And then right here he warns you here in verse 13. Where, and he warns me, Watch therefore, for you know not, neither the day nor the hour, when the Son of Man comes. And we've got to always make sure that we're doing righteous works, ladies and gentlemen. We've got to make sure that we're doing that. And verse Matthew 5, verse 15 says, verse 14 says, you are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Verse 15, neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick and gives light unto all that are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. And so, you know, having that lampstand and you'll have the Holy Spirit and that Holy Spirit helps you to do good works. 
And that's what we should be doing. We shouldn't get ourselves so arrogant that we stop doing it, and we shouldn't be uh, so so um, into the world that we forget to do Bible study and we become, as the Bible is uh, indicating here, stupid, foolish, uh, blockheads. So when it comes to the Bible. And so anyway, to, to sum this Bible study up, uh, which I feel is a very important Bible study, well, all of them are, but some are really, 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 really important. Uh, well, they all are. <laughs> the bride is the first fruits, the virgins, the bride, and the wife of Messiah. So again, the bride is the first fruits, the wife, the virgins of Messiah. And so I hope that I've explained this in a way that uh, is clear to you and. If you have the spirit of truth in you, you are uh, you are certainly part of the bride, and you're part of his body, and when you die, your spirit will, will go to heaven, but uh, you, you are not complete because when Yeshua was resurrected, he had a spiritual body. So what's going to happen is that at the time of the resurrection, when he comes back in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse um, 50, it says, Now this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit corruption. And so we have to understand the order of things here. Uh Verse 22 of 1 Corinthians chapter 15, For as in Adam all die, even so in Messiah shall all be made alive. So it says all will be made alive, because all are going to have to be judged for, for what they've done in their body. Verse 23, But every man in his own order, the Messiah, the firstfruits, so the firstfruits, that's going to be us, afterward they that are Christ at his coming. Yeshua was the first of the firstfruits, and then of course the rest of us, afterward they that are and the Messiah is at his coming. All right? And so that is the truth about who is the bride. And that bride will be used to produce spiritual children, which is indicated here in Revelation chapter 22. In closing here, 22 verse 17, And the Spirit and the bride, the Spirit of Messiah, and the bride say, Come! And let him that heareth say, Come, and let him that is a thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take of the water of life freely. All right, so even now the spirit and the bride are working together because the bride is, is really, we're already married to him. We just haven't, haven't consummated the marriage yet. And so we should be working as a team to, um, to call others. And then God works through us to uh, draw others to the to to uh, the bridegroom. That's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the father is looking for a suitable mate for his son. Matthew twenty-two verse one. And Yeshua answered and spoke to them again by parables and said, "The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son." That's what he's trying to do right now. That's what he is doing. 
is making a marriage for his son. The question is, if you hear what I'm saying and if you understand what I'm saying, are you going to answer the call? Are you going to answer the call? Uh, there's a scripture uh, in the context of this, this parable. You should read the rest of it. The last verse says, for many are called, but few are chosen. And so you're being called, if you if you have listened to me this far, uh, it's a possibility you're being called to be his bride. And there's tremendous rewards for being his bride. Uh, one of the rewards is that you'll be a king and priest in his kingdom. He calls us in First Peter chapter 2, First Peter chapter 2, verse 5, you also as lively stones are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, a holy priesthood to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Yeshua Messiah. Wherefore also it is contained in the scripture, Behold, I lay in Zion a chief cornerstone, elect precious, and he that believe on him shall not be confounded. Verse 7, Unto you therefore which believe he is precious, but unto them which be disobedient, the stone which the builders allowed the same is made the head of the corner. Let me just uh, skip down here. Verse 9 of First Peter chapter 2. But you are a chosen generation. We are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood. A holy nation. A peculiar people. That you should sh- show forth the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Which in time past were not a people, but now the people of Yah, which had not obtained mercy but now has obtained mercy. And so he describes us as being kings and priests, and in Revelation chapter 1, verse 6, plainly reveals that. It says, And has made us kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. And it states here that we will rule on the earth, although our rooms, our places of abode, are in heaven. Romans 5, verse 10 and he has made us into our God kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. In Revelation 20, verse 4, And I saw thrones, and they that sat upon them, and judgment was given to them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Yeshua, and for the word of God, and which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received the mark upon his foreheads or in their hands. And they lived and reigned with the Messiah a thousand years. Verse 5, But the rest of the dead lived not again until the thousand years we're finished. This is the first resurrection. That's why we're the first fruits, able unto the last saint that has a spirit that uh, becomes a saint before the first resurrection. Uh, Revelation 20, verse 5, But the rest of the dead live not again until the thousand years were finished. This is the first resurrection. Blessed and holy is he that has part in the first resurrection. On such the second death have no power, but they shall be priests of Yah, and of Messiah, and shall reign with him a thousand years. So that is the tremendous, and there's more, but uh, I just want to whet your appetite, but uh, there's um, other rewards for answering the call and allowing yourself to be chosen to be the Messiah's bride, his wife. And with that, let me read one more scripture in closing. Revelation 19. Do you want to participate in this? I certainly do. And this is this activity will happen in heaven. The actual marriage, the consummation of the marriage will be in heaven. Revelation 19, verse 1. I'm going to read this scripture and another one. And after these things, I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory. The word people means multitude. 
multitude in heaven, saying, Hallelujah, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God, for true and righteous are his judgments, for he has judged a great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and has avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. All right, so all this is happening in heaven. And then in verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. In verse 9, And he said unto me, Right, blessed are they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said unto me, These are the true sayings of God. And then in Psalm 45, let's turn there, Psalm 45. Psalm 45. Psalm 45. Starting in verse 6. Thy throne, O God, he's talking to the Messiah, Yeshua Messiah, forever and ever. The scepter of thy kingdom is a right scepter. Thy love is righteousness and hates wickedness. Therefore, God, thy God, has anointed thee with oil of gladness above thy fellows. All thy garments of, are, smell like of mirth, of aloes and cassia, out of the ivory palaces, wherefore they have made thee glad. King's daughters were among thy honorable women. Upon thy right hand did stand the queen in gold of Ophir. Hearken, O daughter, and consider, incline thy ear, forget also thine own people and thy father's house. So shall the king greatly desire thy beauty, for he is thy master, and worship thou him. And the daughter of Tyre shall be there with a gift, and the rich among the people shall entreat of thy favor. Now in verse 13, I want, to, I want you to pay attention to this. The king's daughter is all glorious where the king's daughter is, of course, the Messiah's bride. The king is the father the all-powerful Father in heaven. Her clothing is of wrought gold. She shall be brought unto the king, the Messiah, and raiment needlework, the virgins, her companions that follow her, shall be brought unto thee. And those are the people that are going to assist the bride. With gladness and rejoicing shall they be brought. They shall enter into the king's palace. The king's palace, obviously, uh, is the Father's house because... Uh, biblically, also Jewish tradition, the um, the husband and wife would get married in the father's house. So that's that's where the wedding would be at, ladies and gentlemen. And so I certainly look forward to participating in that wedding, that spectacular wedding that's going to be in the king's palace in in heaven itself, and then from there. Once the marriage is consummated spiritually in a spiritual way that we don't understand, what's going to happen is that we're going to come back down to earth with the Messiah and rule this earth. In verse 11 of Revelation chapter 19, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse, and he that sat upon him called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he does judge and make war. Verse 12, His eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns, and he had a name written, that no man knew but he himself. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. Verse 14. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Those are the saints, obviously. Verse 15. And out of his mouth go of a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he shall thread the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. And verse 16. And he has on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of kings 
and Lord of Lords. One more scripture. <laughs> Psalm 149. Popped in my mind. Psalm 149. It says, Praise ye the Lord. Sing unto the Lord a new song and his praise in the congregation of the saints. Let Israel rejoice in him that made him. Let the children of Zion be joyful in their king. Let them praise his name in the dance. Let them praise, sing praises unto him with the timbrel and harp. For the Messiah, the Master, has taken pleasure in his people. He will beautify the meek with salvation. Let the saints be joyful in glory. Let them sing aloud upon their beds. Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand to execute vengeance upon the heathen and punishments upon the people to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron to execute upon them the judgment written. This honor have all the saints. Praise ye the eternal. One last scripture. Uh, Revelation, Revelation chapter 2 to help you understand what we will receive as being the bride of Messiah, the wife of the Messiah, states right here. In verse 26 of Revelation chapter 2, And he that overcomes and keep my works unto the end, to him will I give power over the nations, and he shall rule them with a rod of iron as the vessels of a potter. Shall they be broken to shivers, even as I received of my Father. Well, may the Lord bless and keep you, and God willing, I'll be available to you to give you another Bible study. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4. For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.